Today we are, we're moving from the Old Testament to the New Testament. We've been looking at Ezra and Nehemiah, the rebuilding of the, the city of Jerusalem, the wall and the temple and so forth, after the captivity to the Babylonians. Today we're going to look at the book of Mark. In the book of Mark, in chapter 1 in verses 21 through 34, we find that Jesus was in the town of Capernaum. While he was there, we read that he taught in the synagogue, he healed people at the end of the Sabbath, and one of the people that he healed specifically this mentioned is the Apostle Peter's mother-in-law. And then early in the morning, it says that, that Jesus left Peter's house to try to find a solitary place to pray. And that's where I want us to start today, the book of Mark, chapter 1, verses 35 through 39. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon, who's also known as Peter, and his companions, which was probably the other disciples, went to look for him. When they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. And Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. That's an important line right there. Let's back up a second. That is why I have come. Remember that line right there. Let's go on. So he traveled throughout Galilee preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. So we see that the demands of of Jesus' ministry were pressing in around him, and he needed to spend some time in prayer. He needed to spend some time with his heavenly Father. And we don't know specifically what he prayed. It's possible he might have been praying about things like the demands of the people for him to do more miracles. Um, It it was seen that everywhere he went, people would flock to him, and they would bring their sick, they would bring all manner of diseases, and they just expected Jesus to heal them. And he would be there sometimes in crowds to a point to where he wanted to just get away for a little while because it was just physically exhausting. And I never could relate to that until a month or so ago when I was in Kinshasa and and we were, after I would speak, I would give an altar call and, and ask if people were sick and they would come down to the front. And I remember praying for people, sometimes for an hour and a half, and holding my hands out like this to where my shoulders actually hurt. It just physically was draining. Not just the the spiritual part of it, where you just when you got through, you just felt like you just wanted to sit down or just flop down, and it was just one of those things. And and as I was studying the lesson this week, I could a little bit more understand why Jesus sought to get away from the crowd sometimes, because he was probably physically exhausted. Because it wasn't like my situation where it was just at night. And it was just after I was through speaking. Sometimes this was day in and day out for hours and hours. And people just brought more and more people. And the crowd pressed in on him to do more and more miracles and heal more and more people. And the average person, I believe, really didn't understand that his ministry was more about teaching than it was about healing. I think the average person came to see the miracles. The average person came to see the the healings. 
And the teaching, they really weren't all that interested in. They just wanted to see the, the wow factor part. If you've ever lived in a place or maybe worked in a place where there, were, there weren't other people that would be considered like-minded, you can probably better understand Jesus' need to, to be alone and spend some time in prayer. If you work, in a, or work or have worked in a place where you didn't work around other believers, and it was just that constant grind all the time of, of hearing all the things of the world, there were times probably when you want to say, I just got to get away from these people. Just have to get away. And I think that's what Jesus was feeling at this point. And I think it, it points to the humanity of Jesus when we talk about these things. So many times we place Jesus in kind of a Superman kind of position. But we have to realize he was as human as you and I are in the fact that when he got tired, he was tired. When he got hungry, he was hungry. And if we take that away from him, it takes away everything that he did on the cross. Because for salvation to be available to us, it took someone who was a man without sin that was willing to give his life for the sins of all the other people. So when we take away the humanity of Jesus Christ, we take away the, the effectiveness of the sacrifice. So I think this points to a lot of the humanity part of Jesus Christ. We need to also realize in, in this situation that with Jesus, when he was on the earth, there was no other person on the entire earth who could relate to him. They couldn't relate with his daily struggles. No one understood the, 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 the pressure that he had on him to communicate the message that he came to preach. I don't believe people understood, and they couldn't because we're not, we're not perfect, but they couldn't understand a, an unfallen person living in a fallen world. A sinless person living in a world of sin. And so there was really no one, even his closest disciples, Peter and James and John, those guys, they just didn't get it as to what Jesus was up against. Yet he bore this burden every day on his way to his final burden of the cross. And with those things in mind, it's no wonder that he needed to be by himself and to pray. It's very likely that Peter and the other disciples were looking at Jesus most often because they were excited about how popular Jesus was. And they got to kind of be in on the, um, the fame. We know that they were excited about that because they argued among themselves quite often about when Jesus sets up his kingdom, who's going to be second in charge? This guy's really, really cool, and he's got a lot of followers, and he's going to be the man someday, and he's going to be a king, and, and I want to be next to him. I want to be the next one in charge, just in case. So it says the disciples went looking for him. The Greek word that's used in Mark, verse 30, in Mark 1 and 36 means to track down or to hunt down. So they were seriously looking for Jesus. It wasn't just, hey, have anybody seen Jesus? No, they were trying to track him down. They knew that the masses of people were looking for Jesus, and sadly, more for healings than they were for the need to be taught. 
the people in general, maybe even the disciples as well, were really using Jesus for their own gain. Because too many times they refused to see the spiritual part of Jesus' message that he was offering along with the healing. He would come and he would heal them, and then when he would talk to them about the, the real gospel, it was more like, yeah, yeah, uh, not really. Not really interested in that. But they wanted the healing part. So the disciples find Jesus, and once they did, I believe that the, the importance of this passage of Scripture we're looking at this morning is that he helped them he helped them to put his mission in proper perspective in their minds. In fact, he said, we need to leave Capernaum. And I'm sure they were like, why? There's, there's people flocking out every day. Why would we want to leave someplace where you're really popular? He said, no, we need to leave. We need to visit some of these other small towns and villages to share the good news because, and this is the key word, that is why I have come. They're just here for the, for the healings and the, 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 the flash and, and all the stuff that they see and the miracles. Let's go somewhere else. Because that's why I've come. I believe that the real purpose for Jesus' healing and doing miracles was to attract people so that they could hear the gospel. But what happened in the process is that the people got caught up in the, the healing and the miracles and didn't really listen to the gospel. And we see that too. We see that today. We see people that follow after signs and wonders. And sadly, if if they see or hear of something really big happening over at this church, then let's go over there. And then they hear of something really big and miracles, let's go over there. And what you end up with is a lot of shallow Christians. They don't have any depth because they're just seeking after the flash. They're just seeking after the signs and the wonders, and they don't stick around long enough to hear the Word. They don't stick around long enough to hear the Gospel or the good news. Now, I, I'm not taking anything away from the, the healings and the miracles because I believe that they proved that Jesus was the Messiah because there was no one else that could do those things. But Jesus came to heal hearts and minds, not just physical bodies. There was a lot of people looking for him. Just a lot of them were looking for him for the wrong thing. Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45. And a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Remember that line right there. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand, touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. And Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, this happens quite a bit, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. 
I knew about leprosy before this started studying for this lesson, but really only what the Bible spoke of. So I did some reading this, this past week about leprosy and exactly what it was. In Bible times, leprosy was a horrible disease. And it's still around today. Today it's called Hansen's disease. It's named after the doctor who in 1873 discovered that leprosy was caused by a bacterium. Modern medicine tells us that leprosy is mostly spread from an untreated, infected person when they cough or sneeze. So it can be transmitted from one person to the other. And there's no cure for it. That's why it was such a dreaded thing in the Bible. Because you could give it to somebody else and there was no cure for it. That was the worst of the worst things that you could have. And what happens with leprosy, these bacteria, they, they affect the nerve endings in the hands and the feet and they cause them to become numb. What happens in turn is the person gets cuts or burns on the numb parts and they don't know it. And as a result, they get infections and it causes permanent damage. Often people lose fingers and toes due to infection. Often serious infections require amputation. So people would lose their fingers and hands and their toes and sometimes their feet and their legs. And I had a, a friend that is paralyzed from his waist down. <clears throat> he was in a motorcycle accident. And he was a welder before he broke his back. And we were talking when we first met, and I said, well, why don't you get back to welding? He said, well, that's not really a good idea. Why? He said, it's not really a good idea to have hot molten sparks hitting your legs when you can't feel them. And I went, okay, that makes sense. And as I was studying about leprosy, I realized that's exactly what the thing was with leprosy. The, the nerve endings in their hands and their fingers and their toes and their legs, they would have no feeling, so they'd get cuts and they'd get infection, and they wouldn't realize it. And the next thing you know, they lose body parts. The good news is, in our day, approximately 95% of all people have a natural immunity to Hansen's disease. Today, people are treated with medication, and they don't need to be isolated from society as they once were. So that's good news. But back then, they didn't have those things. Was it the case in the Bible? There were no medical treatments available. In those days, having leprosy was not only a sentence of a life of isolation away from everyone, it was ultimately resulted in an early death. By the law, if you go back to the book of Leviticus, by the law, lepers were required to live outside the city. They were required to wear torn clothing, tear their clothing so they stood out. They were required to let their hair be unkempt, not comb their hair, let it be all wild looking. They were required to cover the lower part of their face. And as I read that, I thought, well, that makes sense since it's spread by sneezing and coughing. Isn't that amazing that God just happened to put that in the law? And if anybody came near them, they were required to yell out, unclean. So that person didn't get close enough for them to sneeze or cough on. That's a pretty horrible disease. 
Although Jesus' focus was on preaching the gospel, it did not render him heart-hearted towards those who were suffering around him. When I say that his point of being here was really to preach the gospel and the good news and the plan of salvation that was coming, I don't take away from the fact that he looked for those who were hurting also. I believe we can take a lesson from that and not become like some that feel like their mission of spreading the gospel gives them the right the right to walk over or walk around people who are hurting or in need. Or to walk around those who maybe don't fit into the demographics of who they think should receive salvation. Jesus never did that. It didn't matter. There was never a time when Jesus, when somebody came to Jesus for healing that he said, how much money do you have? There was never a time that somebody came to hear Jesus speak, that he said, okay, we're going to have a healing line, but before we do, we're going to pass, pass the Kentucky Fried Chicken buckets around and let's fill them up with cash. Didn't do it. He saw people and he had compassion on them. And although that wasn't his main purpose of being here, he wasn't going to let people just go by hurting. So Jesus preached the gospel. Yet he continued to heal people and cast out evil spirits. That's what that last scripture says. He listened to the cries of those that called out for mercy. So as Jesus began to, to tour the towns and the surrounding villages, he's approached by this man with leprosy. Remember what having leprosy meant in those days. And the man begged Jesus to heal him. So Jesus was filled with compassion to help this man, and he told him that he was willing to heal him. And all Jesus had to say was, be clean, and the man's leprosy was gone. You go, well, that's a pretty cool story. There's a lot more to that story than what just meets the eye when we first read it. How about this? The fact that Jesus reached out and touched the man might have been the first physical contact that this man had had with another human in years. When Jesus reached out and touched this man who had leprosy, he automatically became unclean by the Levitical law. Because if you happened to touch somebody who had leprosy, all of a sudden you were unclean too, and you could no longer participate in the religious rituals in the synagogue. But Jesus didn't care. All he saw was, this is a man that's hurting. This is a man that has a need, and he has come to me and said, please, would you heal me? And I think it speaks to even more because Jesus could have healed him without touching him. There was many times Jesus spoke to somebody who was crippled and just said, I think Pastor Magine spoke last Sunday morning, just get up. He didn't have to yank him up by the arm. He didn't have to touch him. He just told him, get up and make your bed, take your bed and go. And he could have done the same thing to this leper, but instead he chose to reach out and touch him. That's what it says. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man and said, I am willing. And after he heals him, he doesn't just give him a warning and say, hey, Try not to say a whole lot about this. It says he gave him a strong warning. 
Don't tell other people about this. Instead, go do what you're supposed to do. If a person discovered that they had leprosy and all of a sudden it was gone, you say, well, how could it have been gone? Again, doing some reading. There were a lot of things back in, in the time of the Bible that fell under the heading of leprosy. There were things what we would call today psoriasis because it was a skin disorder. A lot of times it fell under the same heading as leprosy. So there were other things like that that were labeled leprosy that would clear up on their own. We know that because the Bible in, in Leviticus, it made provision for people whose leprosy went away. Now, when it did, they had to go to the priest and let the priest look them over. They had to offer a couple different types of sacrifices, and then the priest would look them over. They'd wait a certain amount of time, and they'd get a certificate saying that they're healed. Now, I don't know what kind of leprosy this man has, but I do know that it wasn't just a give it a few days, take this, and it'll go away. Jesus touched him, and he was healed right then. But he said, go away, don't tell anybody. Go offer the right sacrifices. Go to the priest. Let them do what they're supposed to do so you can get back into society. This was important. This man could now go back and be with his family. He could go back and, and get a job and go back to work and, and fit back into society without having to yell unclean everywhere he went. But unfortunately... The leper, like so many others that Jesus healed, he was so excited about his healing that he immediately started sharing his story with other people. I can't help it. I can't. He said, don't tell anybody. But I just can't help it. Wouldn't it be great if we were that excited about what God has done for us? That when we got out into public, we just couldn't help it but tell somebody about what Jesus has done for me. You... I, this maybe, I, I, but I've got to tell you. Maybe I shouldn't do it right here, but I've got to tell you. And I believe that's the way this man was. Now, why did Jesus not want the leper to tell the story? Jesus knew that another story of another miracle, especially one of leprosy, would just add fervor to the crowds that were already seeking him out that he was trying to get away from. Remember, that's how we started. Jesus went away to find a place of solitude to pray. The disciples came and found him and said, we're looking for you, so is everyone else. So they leave Capernaum, they go out to another little town. What's he do for them? The first things he does is heal a leper. And the leper tells everybody. And as a result, verse 45 says, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. And that still didn't work. It says, yet the people still came to him from everywhere. More and more crowds of people demanding miracles and healings. Throughout the scripture, we see the phrase, seek the Lord. In the King James Version, 27 times. In the NIV, 22 times. And I believe because of the, the repetitiveness, repetitiveness of that, 
this is a clear, compelling evidence that God wants us to seek Him. For it to be repeated that many times in the Bible, I believe that's exactly what He wants us to do. But we're not supposed to just seek Him so we can find Him, but we're supposed to seek Him so that we can form a relationship with Him. If you went out today and you were digging in your backyard and you found a, a big giant diamond about this big and you jumped up and down and said, hey, I found this big giant diamond and you just left it there, what purpose does it serve? And that's what was going on with a lot of the people that followed Jesus. They would seek after Him, seek after Him, seek after Him and they would find Him, but then they wouldn't do anything with what they found. The very God that created us wants to make Himself known to us personally. There is a difference between seeking after the Lord for salvation and a relationship and just wanting His help in some matter. Big difference. Or there's a big difference in seeking after the Lord for a relationship or just seeking Him out when we're in trouble. Big difference. Yes, He wants us to come to Him for those things. I'm not taking anything away from the fact that we can go to God when we have problems, and we can go to Him for healing. We can go to Him for situations that are beyond our control. But the most important thing that we can get when we find Him is salvation. During his earthly ministry, many people came to Jesus for healing. And there's still people today, a lot of people today, who are suffering from various ailments that are looking for his miraculous healing touch. But here's something to really think about. The leper that we talked about here, everybody else that Jesus healed, the lame people, the blind people, the man with the withered hand, the, all of these people that Jesus healed, eventually they died. The part of the healing was not a permanent thing. It was a temporary thing. Even Lazarus, Jesus, one of Jesus' best friends, that he raised from the dead. Remember that? Been dead in the grave for three days. Roll the stone away, Lazarus hops out, alive. Even Lazarus died again. So all of the miracles, all of the healings, all of the signs and wonders and all of those things, at best, were temporary. The first miracle that Jesus performed was turning water into wine. You know what? Eventually they drank all the wine. So what really mattered? It was that they found him and found salvation and heard the gospel and applied it and became this and had this relationship with him because that was eternal. And some people would look at this and say, "Well, well, you're you're taken away from healing and miracles." No, I'm not. I'm saying healing and miracles are still for us today. He's still healing. He's still performing miracles. But that's not the whole purpose of it. Because at best, if God heals you today, unless the rapture takes place first, 
Someday you're going to die. So the thing that ultimately matters in regard to seeking after the Lord is salvation. Because it doesn't pass away. Salvation is eternal. In the Old Testament, we read a story about three young men. Names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This story takes place in a time that we can relate to. It takes place during the time of captivity of the Jews to the Babylonians. What we've just been talking about. And the king of the time, at that time in Babylon, was King Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar had erected a statue of himself and made a decree which commanded all people to fall and worship the monument when the instruments played. The consequence of not doing that when the music played was death by burning in the city furnace. It's a pretty good incentive. During the dedication festival of this monument, as the music played, there were certain officials that noticed that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't bow down. And they just felt it was their duty to go tell Nebuchadnezzar about it. Nebuchadnezzar kind of liked them. But he was really mad because this is what I said, and I'm the king, so you have to do it. But I'll give you one more chance. The next time the music plays, you better bow down and worship the idol. Here's the response in Daniel 3, verses 16 through 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But if, even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you've set up. So there. So here is three young men who are faced with Nebuchadnezzar's fiery furnace. And in spite of that, they reflected this unique attitude about God's deliverance a whole lot like the leper did in the story we read at the beginning of this lesson. Here's what they did. When it came to God's deliverance, these three placed their faith in two different things. God's ability to deliver them. They said, He is able to save us. There was no question. King, let me just tell you, He is able to save us. Number two, God's willingness to deliver them according to His sovereignty. In other words, even if He doesn't, He's still able to save us. It just might not be in His will at this time. In other words, we know He can, and we know that He will if it's in His plan. Jesus focused on this kind of faith more than once when it came to healing people. Once a man brought his son for healing, and he said to the Lord in Mark 9, 22, 
If you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Listen to what Jesus replied to him. If you can. You're talking to me? If you can? Is that what you just said? The man says, if you can help us. Huh? Are you you questioning whether or not I can? Of course I can. Kind of like the three Hebrew young men. He can if he will. Everything is possible for him who believes. The man replied in verse 24, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And it's then that we see Jesus cast this evil spirit from this little boy. Scripture passages we read today, we saw how the leper made his humble request of Jesus. He said, if you are willing, make me clean. See the pattern that's kind of following here? It's how they went to to God. Any request that we make of God can be humbly tempered if it's prefaced by the words, if you're willing. In doing so, we acknowledge that, yes, God, I know you can do anything, but we also bow to His sovereignty, His sovereignty being that He can do what He wants when He wants. And we're recognizing His ability to do it, but we're also recognizing His sovereignty to do it That's right. That's right. And if you do not do it, then Lord will just graciously take your no as the answer. Well, you didn't have to say that. You mean he says no sometimes? Sometimes he does say no. I know for a fact that If you read the rest of the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that they said, we're not going to bow down. It says that the king fired up the furnace seven times hotter than it had ever been before. And said that the men that threw them into the fire, they died from the heat. They weren't in it. They were standing outside of it throwing them in. Which tells me, that they had to go through some fire. But they had the attitude of, here's the way it is, Nebuchadnezzar. Our God can save us. But if He chooses not to, we're still not going to serve you. How we approach these things is what ultimately matters. If you will, and if not, I will still trust you. And all that Job went through. Look at Job 13 and 15, what he said. Though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. King James Version says, yet will I trust him. Even if I die from all of these things that are happening, I'll still trust God. This is the attitude that really tells why we are serving God. Because we trust him completely. 
we trust Him all the way to the point that, Lord, even if you don't bring me through this situation in the way that I see that it should be done, I still trust you. Because my hope is not in the things of this world. My hope is in something so much greater that ultimately this really doesn't matter. There's a term that we use sometimes to describe friends that are there for us as long as we have what they want. These type of people are often referred to as fair-weather friends. I won't ask you to raise your hand if you've ever had any of those. Sadly, there's a lot of fair-weather Christians. It's the attitude of, Lord, I'll follow you as long as you give me what I want. As long as you can keep those blessings coming, Lord, I'll just be right there all the time. Well, that's not the attitude of a true Christian. Go back to the, the leper, if you will. And I believe what went unsaid was, if you won't, I still believe that you're who you say you are. Healing and provision for our needs is not the ultimate goal of the gospel. They're kind of like benefits. The ultimate goal is that we develop a relationship with God. So I ask, why are you following Christ? Here's a good test. I'm not picking on anybody, please. This is not for anyone that's here. This is for people that listen online. A good test is this. The last few times you prayed, did you spend more time asking for things or asking God to draw you closer to Him? Don't answer that. Do we spend more time asking for things or praising and worshiping the Creator? Did we spend more time asking for things or listening for God to speak to our heart for the direction that He wants for our lives? Are we seeking after the signs and wonders or after a relationship? Too many times we go on with our life as we want until seeking Him is convenient for us. Maybe things aren't going our way. Maybe we need help with a situation. We have a wish that we want to be granted. So we open up the proverbial bottle and let the genie out so that we can present one of our wishes. <laughs> there you go. Too many times in these situations... That is the only time we become seekers after God. Remember what the disciples said? Where have you been? Everybody's looking for you. Yeah, but why were they looking for Him? Too many times it's not that we want to find Him in order to follow Him. We're looking for Him so He can do something for us. Just like the passage in Mark. 
Jesus, everybody's looking for you. Where have you been? They all want to be healed. And I'm sure in Jesus' mind, he's thinking, oh, if they just all wanted to hear how much I love them. Oh, if they just wanted to hear what is really available to them. Oh, if they just wanted to hear the real reason why I came to earth. Maybe this kind of seeking doesn't characterize your relationship with Christ. But even if there's a little tiny bit of this attitude in our seeking, we need to weed it out of our lives. Because as we do, we will become sincere seekers of Jesus Christ. When we get rid of all of the other reasons as to why we want to follow Christ, how long would we remain friends with someone who was only around when they wanted something? Now, I personally know people like that. The only time you hear from them is when they want to ask you for something. And we look at that and go, that's just terrible. And spiritually, if we're not careful, we find us in the same situation. With the friends that only come around when they want something, I'm guessing that we wouldn't stay friends with them very long because we would eventually realize they don't really love us. They love what we can give them. And there's an awful lot of people that don't really love the Lord. They just love what He can give them. So I ask again, why are you seeking Him? Could we examine our lives today and purpose that we will seek Him sincerely because of who He is and not because of what He can give us? When we, want, when we do that, even if He doesn't do all of the things that we want, we will find this. We'll find what He really wants for us. And we will find Him as our Savior and as our Lord. The statements that I believe that we need to include in our asking of things from God is, is those we have read today. The words of the leper, if you will. The words of the three men when faced with being thrown into a fiery furnace and sure death. Even if you do not. The words of Job, though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. Those situations show that we're looking for a real relationship, not just a genie in a bottle type Jesus. So I ask you again, why are you seeking him? I, I assure you this, if you're seeking him for a relationship, you will find him. That doesn't mean that we can't ask God to help us when we have a need. It means that we have to put things in proper priority. Because we have to remember that all of the things that we ask for, even if He gives them to us, will eventually go away. 
health, stuff. I'll close with this scripture. Matthew 6 and 33. But seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. God bless you.